No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job clings to his own righteousness and refuses to speak any wickedness. He then expounds on the destiny of the godless. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 27 on Simply the Bible. Job had come under attack from his friends. In making his defense, Job holds fast to his own integrity and righteousness. What else did he have left? Everything else had been taken from him. But Job also boldly confronts his accusers. We continue in Job 27. Moreover, Job continued his discourse and said, As God lives, who has taken away my justice, and the Almighty, who has made my soul bitter, as long as my breath is in me, and the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Far be it from me that I should say, You are right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. Now, Job felt he had done nothing wrong to deserve the kind of treatment that he had received. If he had done something wrong, then he asked God to show him what it was. But he heard nothing. And that made his soul bitter. Now, bitterness is a grievous thing to carry, and yet there are many who carry it. That's why the scripture tells us to get rid of all bitterness. Now, even though Job felt he was knocking on death's door, he was just a step away from passing from this life, yet he still had the breath of life in his nostrils. He knew God had not taken him yet. And so he made this commitment that he was not going to speak any wickedness nor utter deceit. Job knew that it was important that he be sinless in his speech. And even before Jesus had said that by our words, we will be acquitted by our words, we will be judged. Job found it necessary to speak right things because he didn't want to turn away from righteous speech, even though, you know, he was bitter in his soul. All along, Job's friends had been saying that he was to blame for all this. And so Job said that far be it from me that I should say you are right. I'm not going to give in to your false accusations and I'm not going to put away my integrity from me, but I will hold fast to my righteousness. Now, Job's integrity meant that he was genuine. He was the same on the inside as what he proclaimed to be to others on the outside. His righteousness was his right standing before God. And Job held on tightly to this because integrity and righteousness were the only things he had left. Even though his friends piled many accusations on him, his own heart did not condemn him. In other words, Job had the assurance of a clear conscience. You know, Paul would say that to the Corinthians. He said, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. He said, I don't even judge myself. 
It is the Lord who judges me. But you know, to have a clear conscience is the greatest asset imaginable. What good would money and possessions be without a clear conscience? And yet, we are all guilty of sin. Now, it's only the blood of Jesus that cleanses our conscience. We know that Jesus Christ died to pay the price for all our sins. And because God put the iniquity of us all on him, well, that's how come we can have a clear conscience, knowing that our sins have been paid for in full and God justifies us because we have believed in Jesus. Our righteousness is not from our own works of doing the right thing. Our righteousness is the perfect righteousness of Christ that is a grace gift to us by God. Our integrity is now that we walk in the light as he is in the light. We seek to make ourselves on the inside what we profess to be to others on the outside. And now we hold fast to this blessed assurance that we have in Christ, knowing that we have been justified by faith. Verse seven, may my enemy be like the wicked and he who rises up against me like the unrighteous. Now, who were Job's enemies anyway? They were those who have wrongfully accused him, namely his so-called friends. They had accused Job of being wicked and described for him the terrors of hell. Now, Job calls for them to suffer the same fate as the wicked. He's pretty much turning the tables on them. For what is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he may gain much, if God takes away his life, will God hear his cry when trouble comes upon him? Will he delight himself in the Almighty? Will he always call on God? What is the hope of a hypocrite? What does he have to look forward to, even if he gains much? It's like what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You think about people who have added so much to their possessions in this life, but what is this life compared to eternity? And what will they give in exchange for their soul? I will teach you about the hand of God. What is with the Almighty I will not conceal. Surely all of you have seen it. Why then do you behave with complete nonsense? Job's friends have been trying to teach him and show him the error of his ways. So they probably resented Job saying that he was now going to be their teacher. You see, in their mind, Job's sufferings proved that he was a failure, not a success. Therefore, why should they listen to him? But as we shall see later, that was not God's viewpoint. They had it all wrong. This is the portion of a wicked man with God and the heritage of oppressors receive from the Almighty. If his children are multiplied, it is for the sword, and his offspring shall not be satisfied with bread. Those who survive him shall be buried in death, and their widows shall not weep. Now earlier, Job said that the wicked prosper in this life, but here he says that they will receive their portion at death. Their children will die by the sword or will be hungry for food. Their other relatives will also die and their wives won't even mourn or weep over them. 
Though he heaps up silver like dust and piles up clothing like clay, he may pile it up, but the just will wear it and the innocent will divide the silver. So you've heard, you know, you can't take it with you. But also this speaks of just the fact that riches vanish so quickly. Proverbs 23.5 says, In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. He builds his house like a moth, like a booth which a watchman makes. The rich man will lie down but not be gathered up. He opens his eyes and he is no more. So you think about the many homes that the wealthy build the lifestyles of the rich and famous, the vacation homes in Morocco or wherever, you know. But what he says here is that it's all a bunch of cocoons, okay? (laughs) They're just going to be crushed and destroyed like a cocoon or like a shelter that a watchman for a, a vineyard would make, just something to keep him out of the elements. It's going to last as long as that because one day they will lie down, but they won't rise up again. Terrors overtake him like a flood. A tempest steals him away in the night. The east wind carries him away and he is gone. It sweeps him out of his place. It hurls against him and does not spare. He flees desperately from its power. Men shall clap their hands on him and shall hiss him out of his place. So Job lays it on to these guys that This is what's going to happen to those who are his enemies, his accusers. Their terrors are going to suddenly overtake them. It's everything that Bildad had said to Job earlier that, you know, was the description of the the wicked. And now Job says, okay, and that's what's going to happen to you guys who have made yourselves my enemies by falsely accusing me. Job's friends had accused him of these things because they were convinced that he had sinned. They refused to see that Job was justified by his faith. Therefore, Job pronounces the same curses upon them. Now, isn't this the same situation that we see today by those who would condemn the ones whom God has justified? I see much resentment today, even among those who call themselves Christians. They carry bitterness in their hearts for years. They hold their grudges against other people. They refuse to let go of their claims against others. And they're not loving their neighbors as themselves. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. You see, God has justified us. 
No one's going to bring a charge against us because in God's eyes, we've been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So who are we to bring those accusations or condemnation against others? We must realize that if they have trusted in Jesus Christ as we have, then they have been justified even as we have been justified. There is one who does launch those accusations against the ones whom Jesus has justified, and that, of course, is Satan. But let's not do his job. Now, later, God would rebuke Job's friends and tell Job to pray for them so that they could be forgiven. God was gracious toward them. But we must also remember that it is a serious thing not to forgive others because Jesus said that if we won't forgive our brother or sister from the heart, then neither will God forgive us. Furthermore, none of us like to be accused by somebody else, and especially not when we're being falsely accused. May God help us to stake a claim in the righteousness we have received by grace through faith, and then to let go of those claims that we have against others. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see that after Job's friends have stopped talking, Job discourses on wisdom. Where can it be found? How priceless it is. Job's conclusion? Wisdom is only found in God. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.